This is the It's Time to Refresh podcast with Brad Refresh, the podcast about life, music, traveling, shit, literal shit that is, and weird and wacky stories with Brad and a range of guests from the planet Earth. Feel free to share the pod with your pals, your mom, your neighbor's dog, or even your shrink. It's all fun. You can follow our Facebook group called It's Time to Refresh Community or It's Time to Refresh on Instagram. Write into the pod, ask questions, and share your stories. Enjoy the pod! Hey kid, what time is that? It's time to refresh! You all right, how are we doing? I uh, just want to take two minutes of your time before we start this week's podcast uh, to tell you about our Patreon. Patreon is a tool that we're using to help the podcast grow, um, give you better content and, well, as I said, just let the podcast grow. So we've got three tiers. The first tier, there's only 20 of these spaces available and it's £1 for life and that's for It's Time to Refresh Originals. So if you've tuned in from day one uh, and you want to join the cause, you can sign up for £1. Um, just follow the link in the description. Uh, we've got the standard Patreon, which you get access to bonus episodes, uh, some exclusive content, Patreon specials, which we'll be recording, and uh, early access to all future episodes. So you'll be getting them on a Tuesday instead of a Friday, uh, which I think is fucking amazing for three quid. That's less than a coffee. And then we've got our legend status VIP Patreons, which is uh, £10. And that gets you tickets to all my gigs um, and it will get you free entry to any It's Time to Refresh associated um, events, gigs in the future. Um, So that's a little hint of what's coming up in the future. Um, If you do like the podcast, then please share it with your mates. We are trying to grow this little thing we've got going. We've got some amazing guests coming up in the future as well. um, And we want this to go bigger and better. So sign up at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash it's time to refresh thank you enjoy the episode uh, back once again with episode 24 of the podcast and this one we've got a very special friend we've got uh rob iyf um i mean you probably know who he is because he's the main man in hardcore in my opinion but yeah he's, he's been a good friend for a lot many of many many years and um yeah and we are going to address that elephant in the room straight away that elephant being me Fucking horrible beard gone. Yes. Um, went to go and get a haircut the other day. I said I'd save this story for the podcast to tell him. Because <laughs> I think when he seen me, he was like, what the fuck's going on with that face? <laughs> but nah, um, when when I uh, when I went to go and get my haircut, I sat in the barbers. It was like half past five, closed at six. And I was sitting there and the guy's talking to me while he's cutting the other guy's hair. And we're just chatting away. And the other guy paid, paid for it, the customer. And then the, the owner came up to me and like, oh, we're closed now. I'm like, I've been sitting there for 10 minutes. <laughs> but, um, so I went I went away in a rage, and then I went to my mum's house. Used to be a hairdresser. Used to be being the, the, the fine word. But um, she's been in the hospital for a bit of surgery at the minute. Um, so she's on, like, painkillers and stuff. She's there cutting away on my hair. And Elaine just started laughing. And I was like, what the fuck's going on here? And then, because like, I could feel it, like how high it had went up. And I says, what are you doing? So I'm just sorting the beard out at the bottom. And I was like, right. But I says, it seems like it's a bit high there. And then I, I, I just have to stop, look in the mirror, and there was a big chunk out of there. And I was like, what is going on? 
she says, oh, well, I've had my morphine and you might have kicked it in. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you could have told me beforehand. But yeah, less about me. It's just obviously it's very distracting on the face. Otherwise, it's very distracting. I can't stop looking. At it, <laughs> nah. Um, so how you doing, Rob? All right. Yeah, doing all right. Working hard. Always. I can see. Uh, I've just came here and just showed me about four albums worth of music. It's uh, it's insane how how much you get done. Yes. Um, what was I going to say? We've got. So last time we'd seen each other was pre-pandemic. Um, which is sad, but yeah, um, we've got a lot to catch up on, so, and obviously we're going to tell you your story as well, I don't know a great deal about your story, to be honest with you, I know, I, I met you when you were signed to um, Universal, that's when I yeah. first, so that, that was my first <coughs> year, but if we want to go right back to the beginning, do you want to tell your story um, of how you got into music and that? Uh, started producing... I can't even think how long ago now, probably 15 years ago. 15. What year is that then? I don't know, it was a long time ago. Sort of mid-2000s? Yeah, uh, I started writing, I'll just kick the desk, don't tell, I'll kick the desk. <laughs> uh, Custom-made desk. <laughs> it. Yeah, uh, I started producing yeah, a long time ago. I started working with uh, Sam Oscar from Australia. Yeah. And... Uh, we had a few tracks signed to Automation Hardcore, which is owned by Dan Supersaw. Right. Well, he was called DFX back then. And then... How did you find Hardcore? Like, because obviously where you're from in the, in the Midlands, like Hardcore was big back in the day and Happy Hardcore sort of raves and stuff like that. Where, where did you come into it? I first heard, like, well, actually the first Happy Hardcore tune was... A remix of the Can Can that I heard, and it was on an old uh, Stu Allen tape, which was live on Key 103. Yeah. And then I started listening to Happy Hardcore, and a lot of my mates at school listened to Happy Hardcore as well. Uh, then I started knocking about with Gazzy J, Smackdown, all them, and they were obviously a little, little bit older than me. Yeah. And then I started going to raves with them guys. And uh, What sort of raves were you going to then? What was the... What was the... Well, the main one was Organised Chaos, which is was owned by Wiggy. Right. Or Sick Uh That was like the first proper taste of like a rave I had. Yeah. And then obviously it went from there, started going to HGID, stuff yeah. like that. So so when you were going to these these like raves and that, like what was the what was the crack? Like were you like oh, I I think I could make this music or or I wanna be a DJ because but you're yeah. predominantly more, I would say, you're more a producer, aren't you? Yeah, I've, back then I used to love DJing, but then I started making <coughs> music and I just prefer making music now. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, love, like, I love playing raves, but making my own music so much better mm. than playing out. But obviously, I'm blessed for the bookings that I get now, obviously all over the world, but... Mm. I still love sitting in here, me and Al, just sitting here laughing at each other, making stupid noises <laughs> for hours. Yeah. So, so what was the the spark that interested the production? Like, what were you at a HDID or were you at like? No, uh, I think uh, I think it was like I'd listen to like more commercial tracks and go, yeah, it'd be banging as like a hardcore remix or something. You're quite renowned for that, aren't you? Like, you've yeah. got you've got a lot of commercial remixes. <laughs> yeah. I love them. You are a cheese master. Yes. But yeah, I started listening to music because like, oh, I'd like to do it myself, so started doing it, and then obviously 
That's history now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sort of moving forward, and like you said, you were working with Sam Ascor from um, Australia in Australia when you were getting into the produ- production. And that did, was it. Was it did, like was him who showed you the way? Yeah. Well, so then I was using Reason, and he was using Fruity Loops. Yeah. And don't <laughs> don't start. But yeah, then I obviously then I moved to Cubase and started working with Hyperforce. Yeah. Quite a lot. And obviously then he moved to Telford and then we started working loads together and then we started doing stuff for Justice Hardcore. I think that's, I, I first heard of you when it was, you'd done IYF and Hyperforce stuff. That's that's the yeah. sort of, what was that, like 2012? Something like that, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We started with the tune called uh, It's Just What We Do. I started, shh, phone. That's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wrote a track and then obviously uh, Hyperforce sang on it and then we become really good mates and started doing, well, we did loads of tracks together. What was your, your first sort of tune that got you a bit of notoriety? Uh, it was a tune I did with Woody called Taken, which was obviously sampled from the film. Right. And it was like a hardcore Scott Brown sort of style tune with like a mad Gabba drop in it, because obviously yeah. I had to put a Gabba drop in there, but yeah, that was... Where I first started getting noticed, and uh, then obviously started working with Oscar and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. So, as it's sort of taken off for you, like what? What's what are you? Are you because you've got like such I don't know what the, the word is. You've got such a, a wide variety in what you do. Like for instance, the first time I heard of you, uh, I heard the the like like a concept album of like sort of clash of the titans yeah so like if if you listen to that end to end it's fucking mental like even now like it's strange because it's got that like like that euphoric like piano-y stuff in and then the next minute it's got a fucking it's got a massive like power stomp drop and then then the next minute it's got like there's one of the tunes as well it's like when the drop comes in it goes into like a little trap beat and shit like that like it's just what goes on in your head. I don't know. It's yeah. like when, when when me and Al work on stuff in here, we'll be like, it won't be convention. We'll go, oh, it needs to sound like this. We'll just go, yeah, that sounds cool. We'll just whack like a baseline drop in it or a gabba drop or a style drop in there, yeah. drum bass drop, and we'll just do what feels right with the tune, not right. what needs to be the norm. Yeah, but when when you're doing it right, are what are you doing it just for cr- like creative fulfillment or like have you got the dance floor in mind or what? What's the because does everything that you do because you do some like mental shit like, like yeah. obviously you've just been showing me there does does everything work or or do you have a do you have an idea of 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 what it's for? When we ma- we make a lot of music, obviously we have like different events in mind when we're playing them. Yeah, right. Like that, with, that makes sense. with ravers, we play a lot of hands up, yeah. big vocal anthem stuff. Some of them tunes that yeah. you showed me there, and we throw we off. throw a couple of like weird quirky Bit tunes in between them, yeah. but obviously we keep it like really upfront. Yeah, and then I can go and play. Like I played an event in Bridgewater a couple of weeks back, and uh, I was playing like raw style and really hard nice. stuff throwing them a couple of cheese anthems in between it but they love the harder stuff so we make stuff for yeah, different creators yeah. for everything yeah yeah well obviously as you as you, you t- obviously teamed up with nobody um and joined justice at that time and you were 
putting them tunes out. You're doing a couple of albums. Did you do like a Power Stomp album? Is that right? Yeah. Power Stomp album. You did the Clash of the Titans. You did. What was the, the one after that? They did another one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. My head. Um, uh, the Showdown. We did the Showdown album. Oh, yeah. The Showdown album. That's yeah. the, the cowboy theme one. Yeah. It? Yeah. And then sort of. You, you've, you just. You're an absolute workhorse when it comes to writing tunes. That's, yeah. that's, in, in my head, you've just, like, there's just so much of a back catalogue. Roughly, <laughs> off the top of your head, how many tunes have you produced? I know that it's, fucking, it's a stupid question. Hundreds and hundreds. It could be more than hundreds. Though, it right? probably is, actually. Yeah. Like, when I'm... like Even when I'm going through my hard drive and you've all the stuff you've sent me over the years, it's just Rob. And then it's just like, there's like so much randomness yeah. as well it's amazing <laughs> I've, I've hammered loads of your stuff like for years but um coming like coming like into the you've obviously discovered hardcore and stuff like that obviously you branched off and done bits and bobs i know you done you were big on the hard style tip for a while yeah. as well what's 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 the what like inspired that was it were you listening to other artists outside of the realms of hardcore and, yeah I, I listen to pretty much anything I'll put it on, I'll sometimes go on to SoundCloud or Spotify, put it on random, just listen to whatever anything from like commercial pop to rock music to classical, everything, and listen to it and go, yeah, that's cool, that is, and take a little bit of inspiration away from everything. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, what happens when you get writer's block and stuff like that? I'll just go and listen to like classical music and something or something and go, yeah, I like that, it's quite cool. And then obviously incorporate like a big classical piano into a tune, like that I Am Techno tune. Came yeah. from listening to classical music, <coughs> right. and then listening to a lot of like Ben Nicky's hard techno stuff. So it was like, oh, what if we put classical music and hard techno together? And that's where I am techno came from. <laughs> right. Uh, we've talked about a bit of production. That I just want to talk about this for a bit as well. Um, you are a bit mad, aren't you? Yes. Like <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we've like we could talk about stuff that we've done together in the past and stuff like that, but. You you are like wild. I've even heard, like you can tell the story of where did the IYF name come from? Stands for in your face. Yeah, from somebody throwing a cigarette at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's like typically you. Like it sounds mental, but like you've got you've just got like a a very inviting personality to yes. everybody. Um, I don't. I've never met somebody who doesn't like you. Do you know that? Yeah. You're a you're a very likable guy, but like. We get into like, like we've, we, even me and you, even though we haven't done a great deal of stuff together, like whenever we, we, whenever I come down here, we always go on like a little mission somewhere or do something big, random, big foodie, <laughs> yeah. big foodie, or, or or go and get drunk at a rave. Yeah. Like anyone who watches this knows I don't, I don't really drink that much, but when I'm around you, it seems to, I think it just goes off the table. I'm the Yaga King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so when was the first time we met? I don't remember. Um, don't know when it was, but I came down and it was. Oh, was the first time it was? Was it me, you, and Dave? River Dave. Yeah. Uh, uh, Univers was it Universal. Yeah, Universal. Our club. The outdoor one. Yeah. Right, and the the foot long sausage. Yeah. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> right. Um, for those who don't know, River Dave was probably one of the most passionate people in hardcore. Right. Yes. Um, I I met Dave and from like the beginning, I think we were friends from like straight away. Yeah. Just someone just clicked straight away. Really, really <laughs> nice guy. Very passionate about hardcore. Uh, sadly, no longer with us. But 
Uh, I think he made like an imprint on everyone's uh, on everyone. Yeah. But like when we were, when we, I remember meeting him, and we were, like obviously I'm a big guy. He's a big eater, yeah. and and Dave was a, was a big eater as well. <laughs> when he he came, when he pulled up outside at your house and we were there, and he was um he come when he, he was dead happy that he went to Morrison's to buy foot long sausage rolls. No, we ordered. No, no, this is before that. Oh, he, yeah, had the, was, he, had yeah. the, he had the footlong sausage rolls and he came <laughs> and he was like, these were a pound fifty. And yeah. he, was, um, he was absolutely amazed. So like, we're getting a takeaway and he was like, well, I'm coming on on that. Yeah. So then, I can't even remember what we ordered. I think I had like pizza or whatever. This could be chippy one because he ordered a footlong sausage yeah. again. And, it, uh, and I misplaced it. Yeah. <laughs> he was kicking right <laughs> off. And, oh, that was some good memories there, wasn't it? Like, yeah. I like enjoyed that. And uh, Rob misplaced Dave's footlong sausage that he ordered yeah specifically we went specifically to this shop to get this footlong sausage yeah. and he placed it on the steps when the delivery guy was there on the <laughs> stairs yeah. in the house and we came in we're all unpacking and starting to eat and dave's going crazy <laughs> trying to ring the delivery guy and go mental yeah, that was that was some good times i love that that was a uh, first time i met you and it was just yeah. i think we clicked straight away as well yeah. uh and then obviously universal um that was that was an all right night if mm. I remember rightly. Um, so where was the first raves you played at? Like, what was the uh, first major one was at the Caddy Shack in Whitchurch. Well, it was actually yeah. called, at that point it was called just called the club in Whitchurch. It used to be called Caddy Shack back in the day. And they used to do loads of hardcore events there. That was my my first major booking. Yeah, well, actual proper booking. Um, and then obviously Gaz took me on and then started playing Ravers Reunited all the time and then worked my way through the ranks. Grafter? Yes. Through the trenches? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember you, I think, was it, was I there for your first first main stage Ravers? I think I was. I think so. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm wrong in thinking, you were doing the Room 2s for a while. Yeah. And then, but you were like an anything goes type type thing. Yeah. And then I remember you got your first one. Am I thinking right in 2017, New Year's Day? Would that be the first one? Uh, first main stage. Rovers. I think so. Because we were we were with, there was me, you, Jordan. Yeah. Uh, Charles and Stonebank and his missus. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was New Year's Eve. That was the New Year's Eve event. And we yeah, were, yeah. And uh, we were all drinking there, and then you played the day the day after, didn't you? The New Year's yeah. Day. It was like was that your first main stage. Well, it was supposed it? to be me and Eight Force. It was right, but Eight Force was a little bit poorly. <laughs> Let's put it that way. He was a little bit poorly when he turned up. <laughs> well, New Year's Eve yeah. can do that to people. <laughs> he but, may or may have been not been sick just before the set. I remember that though, like that that night as well. That was an amazing night. Yeah. Um, let me get this right because it's honestly there's some i've told the story about the hotel room i don't know whether you were there i don't it's the same night anyways on a couple of podcasts ago i told the, uh, the story about me and elaine checked into the premier inn and like the whole of the hardcore scene were in the yeah. premier inn that, that was that night wasn't it yeah and we were around in your room and you were getting your hair done and all that obviously <laughs> <laughs> well uh yeah and we were there and yeah uh about the, the we had the used condom on the fire on the on the, yes. that was disgusting <laughs> yeah but yeah that was a mad night so like we started pre-drinking didn't we in, in the 
um, in the hotel. Yeah. And he's an absolute Jaeger monster. So the Jaegers were out. Um, I was on the Jaeger last night. <laughs> That's why I'm delicate today. Oh, man. Um, and do you know with Rob, like, he doesn't force it on you, not by any stretch, <laughs> but he's insisted you have one uh, or two or ten. Or a bottle. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, you, you, would, you do get through it. And I just remember we went there. It was honestly proper good vibes all night. Like, yeah. oh, was that the O2? What was that one? The O2 Academy in Leicester. O2 Academy yeah. in Leicester. Yeah, 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 I remember that, yeah. That was good. And then they had the main room, which was Ravers. And then they had like a hard room. Up at the back, yeah. Is that right? Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. That, that was a really good night, that, you know. <coughs> um, and then, have I seen you since then? Oh yeah, we, I came down for, um, I got booked for Universal again, yeah. didn't I? Yeah. And we went to April's house. Yeah. That, that was that was a good night also. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, it's a proper trek down here, mate. <laughs> it is a bit. Yeah, for, 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 <laughs> I'm up from the sticks, so it's, it's me that's, that lives out the way. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was good. Um, so you've, we haven't even touched on your career that much, really. Like when you've you've, you've took off on that, like you, when was your first international gig? Because you've 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 just seemed to be being here there and everywhere, yeah. really. My first international gig was for Justice Hardcore. That was in America. And actually, yeah, America was first, and then obviously I played I'd be for. Maggie, uh, Australia. Yeah. Australia's probably three or four times now. I don't get I don't get um envy much, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I was very envious the where the first time I went to America because it just looked like you had an absolute ball. I'm not I'm talking not related to music yeah. or like that, but like the food, even the company, it looked like you were having a really good time. I remember yeah. you put up the video in the studio with Nobody and the rest, there was like a few of you yeah. in the studio. It just looked like you are having an absolute class time. They like, literally, uh, about three or four days before we flew, that studio was just a garage. Right. They literally grafted for like three days straight to build it into a studio for when we got there. Right. So right. like the day before, they were laying the floor and everything in there. Class. class. But yeah, they, they literally, they smashed up a studio and... Oh, that's pretty. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, they grafted and got us a studio ready for when we got there. And yeah. yeah. What was that trip like going to America? I love going to America. Obviously, I was in San Francisco beginning of the year. Yeah. Uh, and that was amazing. Amazing crowd to play for, they are. What's the difference, like UK to American? I, I can I can see the differences, but. I, I thought I, I was going to play, I played loads of like weird and wonderful stuff there. Yeah. And uh, I've done recently done a version of Living on a Prayer right. with uh, my, one of my friends. And uh, I was like, oh, should I drop this? And I was speaking to Monster. Monster was like, yeah, just play it anyway. And I played it and I was like, they actually know the words to it. <laughs> I was really surprised. And yeah, it went off majorly, it did. And uh, then I was back out again a couple of weeks back for Metricon, which is one of the biggest anime conventions in America. Yeah. And... That, that looked a really good setup. By that the way. crowd was wild. It was. So what? What are they like? I don't know how to how to describe this without like I'm not insulting them by any, in any sense. In any sense, but like when you go to a UK crowd, like proper I love hardcore banging up for it, and they're just having a proper good sesh out. Do you know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. There, it seems more like like an organised, as you say, like a convention. Do you know? So when they all go, they're all they all like get like 
dressed up and it's yeah. like he's proper insane clothing and they make uh, an occasion out of it. Yeah. So it's less about the, the session, more about the going out and making an, the event of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you can go on a night out like in the UK, like so say I'm DJing somewhere and you'll go and everyone will be wrecked in the crowd, absolutely loving it. Yeah. But then you go there and they're not necessarily wrecked or off the reds, they're just like... They just love. They're, they're yeah. just banging up for it. It's like... I know it sounds stupid, but the way I'd describe it is, he's like the Office UK versus the Office yeah, US. Yeah. <laughs> so like, if if you go to like, if you watch the Office UK, it's a bit more grittier and yeah. a bit like on the nose, and it's like, Ur. yeah, all right. But then if you watch the American one, it's it's amazing. I, I I prefer the American one to be fair, but like you watch the American one, and it's but it's a bit more like. Um, sitcomish and it's yeah. a bit like does that make sense yeah it's, it's a lot more fun yeah like yeah it's more of a, the fun aspect rather than a serious tone well with the san francisco events uh the day before the event they have like in the second room of the club mm. they have like a candy making day and they go and they make candy they drink and they just chat and this is exactly what i mean they have like yeah. a little meet up and that. then before the event they have uh like up and coming DJs and local talent and stuff like that, them playing, and they have pizza and free drinks and this sounds like, like a massive, type of event. <laughs> massive table full of candy, yeah. and they're all swapping candies, making candy together and stuff. I bet you're right in there, you fat cunt. <laughs> I loved it, but uh, it's like next door to the club. Well, downstairs in the club is a massive pizza place. Yeah. So all that was going down. It's like yeah, we had a slight technical hiccup there. Yes. <laughs> the size has been delivered. Yeah, delivery man's just been with a brand new synth. What is it? Uh, the peak. Oh yeah, right. Um, it looks great from what you showed me. New, new toys that we probably will never use. But <laughs> they look good. Yeah. Um, I was just saying about America there. Like, so what? Like. Because it looks like the higher out like some sort of warehouse. Is that what it is? Because it's, it's not necessarily like a nightclub, is it? It's the not... San Francisco was a nightclub. Right. That's like, I think it's five, re five rooms in there. Right. Massive DNA lounge. It's huge, wicked venue. They do it on a different scale to us, don't yeah. they? The Metricon <coughs> was at the Tampa Convention Center. Yeah, so that's it was one of the seen, yeah. It was one of the arenas that they had. And See, that looks fantastic. It was mental because like, before we went on... They had wrestling in there. Class. And I'd have been all over that. Oh, it was mad. <laughs> they literally had a, a full-size ring in the middle of the dance floor. Yeah. And then that disappeared. And then they had fire dancers. Yeah. It was crazy. And then literally, the fire dancers finished. They got everyone out of the arena again. Tied it up. Let everyone back in again. And then started banging hardcore. <laughs> Class. <laughs> Class. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to check if there's anything on in January for me. I'm going over... And I would love to go to something like a rave there. Like I know there's the like the EDM raves and stuff, but like if there's hardcore there, I will I will poke my nose in and see what's well, going on. In San Francisco, they literally have an event pretty much every couple of weeks at the DNA Lounge. Yeah, but they always have like it's multi genre, so it's like hardcore, drum and bass, hardstyle. That's my everything. Memory. That's class. Um, so what what's the sort of attendance like there? Like what are they are they getting big numbers? What what, what is it? What? The Monster actually told me the the number for uh, Metricon, but it was in the thousands. Right. Uh, DNA was at least a thousand in there properly. Right. Because so, it was rammed. Every room in there was rammed. What's what's like Americans like? I don't know. What's what's their approach to hardcore? Like, do they, do they lap it up or what, 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 what? In San Francisco, they've got a lot of big hardcore 
producers, DJs right, up right. in that area, up in the Bay Area. Right. And, uh, yeah, they love hardcore up there. Excellent. See, I, like, for me, like, I, I, there's a couple of people who follow me in, in, um, in America, um, for bounce, but it's just, it's literally like one here, one yeah. in this state, one here. There isn't like a, a, a collective scene. It's like, uh, th there's definitely no scene for bounce in America, yeah. put it that way. And <clears> same <throat> goes for Australia and that, like they, they, they've got a thing, NRG out there, like yeah. XK, Outsource. And, uh, there's a couple of newer guys, uh, Nick Nova and stuff like that. They do sort of their bounce events. I think it's called forever energy, but it's different. Yeah. So, is the hardcore music that they're, they're producing different to what you would get in the UK? Like a UK style? What, what I find with American hardcore, they're like, it's kind of like a stage behind us. Right. Like, when we, when we was doing all like the hard power stompy stuff and everything, they were still doing like the euphoric stuff. Right. Then when we got bored of that, they started doing that, and we moved over to a new style. So, it's right. like they're kind of like a stage behind us, sort of. Right. So what's what's big out there at the minute? What's the the the, the flavor of the week? The hands up piece stuff. Right. They love that. Like uh, Weston over in Denver. Yeah. Uh, when we played there, which was literally the day before we went into lockdown. Right. We played there, and we all we all well, we nearly did get stuck in America because they cancelled our flight and everything. Literally lockdown. Amazing. So <laughs> it wasn't amazing at the time because we were like, yeah, yeah, we're stuck in America here. Yeah. And uh, me and Monster went to the airport and they were like, yeah, we can get you on the last flight out. Uh, we need to get you to Texas to get you the flight out. I was like, oh, the last day. The Literally day. last flight out of America. Right. So it was like, oh, we're kind of stuck here. So we managed to get out in the end. And... Uh, Unfortunately, the the event was still ace, but they'd literally gone into lockdown rules and stuff just before, as we were playing the event. <laughs> and then, like, literally, like, two days later, they were like, yeah, it's lockdown, you're stuck. America had it pretty pretty hard with uh, incoming, like, so they didn't want any British in, they didn't want any sort of Europeans in at all yeah. at, at one point. So it was quite quite hard on it. Um, I I got stuck, like, uh, we, me, me and Elaine went to Poland and, fuck, we got stuck. We got stuck bad. Yeah, <laughs> same as Kutsky, because Kutsky's played the same event as me. Yeah. And uh, he was in all kinds of trouble he was trying to get back over there. We ended up in the paper on TV. <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, I don't even know. I might not have told the story on the podcast before. Basically, we went out there, long weekend, went to um, Gdansk. Uh, it's like a coastal thing in Poland. It was it was good when we got there, yeah. right? That's why I said it was good when we got there. <laughs> I would never go back there in my life now. Not by the way, it's not because the place is a shit or anything like that. It was it was beautiful, but just for the experience I had while I was out there, yeah. like I had a pure mental breakdown. I was there. I was just like, <clears throat> got there on the night. We flew from Edinburgh. It was like, it, we're all right up for it. I think in two thousand and twenty, beginning anyways. Everyone had like a lot. Like um, I remember talking to you, and like everyone had a lot of plans in the pipeline, and yeah. I, I had a lot in the pipeline what I was doing. And I think the the Poland trip that I was going on was the first of like many things I was I had planned that year, and it all come crashing down pretty hard. Um, like for instance, I'd <laughs> uh, we we got there at night, um, and we went out, and <coughs> um, Gdansk Square was lively, like. Yeah, you'd have loved it. There was there was Jaegers. Um, we had we had 
uh, of drinking that and like we were with my little lad and there was my missus and we were I went for food and that food was decent um, and then we said oh we'll just go to bed and like we'll come out next morning sort of because we've been flying and, and all like we'll be tired and I, we went to sleep got up the next day sort of got ready went out went to go and get breakfast in this this cafe on where we were the night before and this woman's screaming at me in polish and i'm like sorry like what's what's going on here and she said to me she says like get out get out because like, obviously she realized i was like english and i was saying yeah. sorry I, I don't speak and she get out so i was like right i've been kicked out of the cafe i've only been here two minutes i've been kicked out of cafe what's going on so we so we moved to the next one went in again and she was like we're closed I was like, okay. I said, if you don't mind me asking, what's going on? She says, my English isn't very good, but watch TV, watch TV. I was like, still couldn't because when we, we went to seek advice off um, citizens of not citizens of advice, uh, British embassy, yeah. for, um, to, if it was okay to fly, and they said it was fine, there was no problems <coughs> or like that. But then um, we walk, we were walking down the road, and then the museum was there. And there was a big red X taped on the front of the <laughs> museum. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? Like. So it said due to like the government um, protocol and stuff like that, they went into emergency lockdown at 11 o'clock the, the previous night. Yeah. And it, that was it. Like there was no pre-warning or anything. So I was like, right, we'll go back, watch the news, see what's going on. And it's like, as of 12 o'clock tonight, um, the whole of Poland will be locked down. And that's it. Like the, no one's getting in, no one's getting out. So we were like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, uh, so... Trying to get flights and that, uh, couldn't get through to everyone because everyone who was British was ringing the British embassy and it was all just an absolute clusterfuck. Um, she was panicking, thinking we weren't getting home. Um, so then we went to try and get flights, everything had been totally booked up, everyone everyone returned home, sort of thing. So, like, what, what can we do? Right, what we'll do is we'll go to um, we'll go to, to Berlin. Um, it's not that far away, really, yeah. it's like a four hour bus journey or something like that. So, we'll get a bus and then we'll go to berlin and fly home because they're not in lockdown like germany weren't in lockdown at the time <coughs> and i was like right we'll do this book the uh, book the flights they were like 500 quid because it, it was the last minute yeah, we were yeah. booking it that day it was like fucking it was insane uh, usually like a hundred pound flight if that and then i booked um a bus um like a what are they called them, them buses you get in the uk like a mega bus a mega bus yeah. it's like a mega bus type thing and um, so we, we booked this and to go to the, to the border. So we're out, we've got our stuff packed and stuff like that. Next minute, she gets a phone call. They've cancelled, um, they've closed the borders. To, to the, so there's nothing getting out of Poland as it is now so, um, on the roads. So you can still fly out at this point, but just nothing on the roads. Yeah. Anyways, our flight went, so we didn't get our money back for that because it wasn't, it wasn't the airline's fault that we weren't at the airport. Yeah, yeah. So we lost, so that was 500 there, uh, or slightly more. I was like bit angry about that at that time um we only had one day left in the hotel so <laughs> like what we're we gonna do here so we get written uh, ringing the british embassy we even joined like these like facebook groups where Pete, it was called stranded in poland <laughs> um and like can, can you remember like we were watching it on the news and it was like people dropping dead in like fucking wuhan and that and yeah. in italy they were all locked up and it was it was just fucking mental anyways cut a long story short we got we couldn't we, all the shops were closed. We tried to go and get food from places. They were closed. And then we discovered this one shop that was open. It was a 24-hour shop. And they'd been given, like, a grant from the government to stay open. Yeah. And supply people. So 
we were like struggling for nappies at this point. This was like, it got to like the Tuesday. We'd missed our original flight home yeah. because there was no flights. So next minute, we were in this Facebook group and this guy reached out to us saying, are you stuck in Poland, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I want to I wanna get you on the news. Like, next minute, <laughs> we're on the news. Uh, we're in papers in Poland, papers in, in Scotland for whatever reason. <laughs> I think it was because we flew from Scotland yeah. and, and obviously we never returned back and then... Oh, it was insane. <coughs> um, so we're on, on to the British Embassy. We were there for a few days, um, a bit more. And then they were like, we're doing these emergency um, procedure flights that are paid for by the, the UK government yeah. um, to get you out. We still had to pay for it like a flight, but they paid to like commission the, the, the flight, flight path and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So I think that was another, another 500 quid um, from uh, all three of us. So it was a little bit cheaper than the Berlin ones. Anyways, we got back, but the flight was to Heathrow. Right? <laughs> Only one, so I thought, right, if it gets me that little bit closer to home, I'll take it. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're at Heathrow. My car's in Edinburgh. Um, I live in Cumbria. What, what am I going to do? Got onto the, the... Or come out of the airport. Everyone's looking at us funny because you come out of the airport, right, and this COVID thing's killing everybody. And it's like... They're all like, stay away from me. You've been traveling international waters and everyone was being weird with me. Yeah. Even like the bus drivers and stuff. Um, all trains were canceled in the UK. So I went to Heathrow at this point. I don't know what to do. So we got the, the underground was still on. <clears throat> got the underground to, to um, thing. At this point, we've been awake 20 hours. Um, and then... I didn't even tell you the... Sorry, I've missed out a bit of the story. We went from... We had to go from Gdansk and get a train, a, a, an emergency train down to Warsaw and fly yeah. from Warsaw. So that's what I'm saying. We've been away for 20 hours at this point. And then um, we got this, like, uh, the megabus from, from Heathrow, right? Uh, no, from, from London, Victoria, right? Up to Carlisle. We went through every single little shitty town <laughs> and city there was in the UK. We went through all of the Midlands. We ended up in Leeds, Manchester... Uh, we're in Birmingham. <coughs> it was absolutely mental. We got off the the, the stop the following morning. Um, at this point, it was about thirty hours in, thirty five hours in. Yeah. Uh, I got uh, a lift from a friend f from Carlisle to home. But bear in mind, my car's still in Scotland, <laughs> so I had to go up to Scotland. Uh, like my missus and Bernard went to sleep, and it was like uh, at home. <coughs> so I went straight back out. I went about 42 hours no sleep and it was fucking so intense. It was so, so intense. But then again, I could have been stuck in America. Yeah. <laughs> but like, did you get, like, were your flights cancelled or not like that? Yeah, it was off like, we, we went online to book in oh, and yeah. uh, it was just, nah, cancelled. So I rang up the airline, they were like, you need to come into the airport now. So me and Monster drove in and they were like, yeah, your flight's cancelled. The woman was mint on the desk. She yeah. was well good. She was like, right, I can get you a flight from here to Dallas and then we can get you on the last flight from Dallas over. Right. But like on the flight from Dallas, it was pretty much empty. It was, everyone was like, <laughs> the whole thing, even all the airports <coughs> were dead and everything. It was, it was like a scene uh, from a film. That. It was, yeah. it was mental. I'd never seen anything like that yeah. before because obviously you go through, it's always lively and stuff like that. Mm. And then when when coming back like in Warsaw thing and all the shops were closed I'd never seen the shops closed yeah so all the shops were closed there was nobody there except the people who were getting on them flights and it was just eerie it yeah. was eerie as fuck it was madness mm. it was a good time though but <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was a little bit of a panic at the yeah. at that time 
so we didn't think we were going to get home at all. Yeah. So, yeah, but we got home. Did your lifestyle change during the pandemic? You, you, cause you, you... Not really, because we started building this during the as the pandemic started. So, right. And obviously, I was going from my house, which is like a street down, and just coming here every day. And obviously, so, because it was still a classes, it's still classes registered business. Yeah, we could still do bits. <laughs> not bad, is it? So really? we, li- we literally locked ourselves in here when it was built and tinkered with bits to make it sound better. It's nice. You've got a real nice setup going here. Yeah. Really nice setup with our big diffuser, which took us a long time to make. <laughs> a long, long time to make it. Did it's worth it? Yeah. But, yeah, so so how was the pandemic for you? Were you writing, were you probably writing just the same amount of music? Yeah, we was doing a lot of albums and stuff, and just pumping them out. We started doing the live stream thing, and we got bored of that. <laughs> we're just too lazy. The thing, yeah. I think what the main thing was, me, we, me and I were doing the live streams, and we would, like, order, because there's a cocktail bar uptown, and obviously because it was shut, they were doing deliveries. Yeah, I remember. So this. me and Al were spending like a lot of money on cocktails and stuff, <laughs> and just getting cocktails delivered to us so we could do live streams. <laughs> and then it end up us spending more money than going out. So mm. it's like, yeah, and that we can't we can't be doing that all the time. How did you team up with Al? Like, what's the story behind that? Like, um... well, Al Al signed uh, a track that me and Roxy did called Crystal Clear years ago and then uh i started working with al on the dark shadow stuff yeah and doing a few remixes and stuff for him and then obviously when we started working together he was living down south at that point and we was sat on the phone or on like zoom or whatever for like five hours a day and he was like well might as well move up here really so obviously sold his house down there and moved up here and we built built this the new twenty four seven studio twenty four seven. Do you want to get into that a bit? Um, because obviously <coughs> I knew twenty four seven from a while back. Yeah, and then you sort of you've changed what you've done a bit now, haven't you? It's like because you've got like you do a bit of everything because you've got like the, the bounce stuff. The yeah, you've got the hardcore obviously and like. Yeah, what's, what's the idea behind twenty four seven? Al bought me over for, to twenty four seven because obviously I was banging loads of stuff out for him, mm. and uh, then we started a new brand which is Voodoo Panda, which is more harder than the generic twenty four seven cheese sound. So we was doing like the harder styles and pretty much everything under Voodoo Panda, and. Yeah, we just sort of branched out into little little sub genres with Foodie Panda. How you find it running the label in sort of twenty twenty two? Nothing really. Al's Al's the brains behind everything. He's the one that does. Use the fat cut in the background. Yeah, this makes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I write the beats. <laughs> he comes in and tinkers them and makes them sound pretty. Yeah. And uh, then he does all the label work. So Al's the brains behind everything. Yeah, I'm just a musical mastermind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've definitely like sort of found your found your your way with with everything. Like, 
there's you're at a point now within within your even in your hardcore as well like you put a tune on and you can tell if it's either written by you or you've you've got some sort of influence in yeah. behind it do you know what i mean like you've got that that iyf sound yeah that, that the pig, pig style, style. Yeah, there you the go pig style. you've got the pig style yeah. yeah like like is it some i'd like personally it's something i'd be very proud of like yeah. i Trying to, I'm trying to, to word it best. So, like, during the, say, the 2000s, Scott Brown had his, like, euphoric sound and everyone tried to copy that Scott Brown sound. Yeah. And then, for instance, there was a Styles and Breeze sound with the them style euphoric melodies. Yeah. And then, as I say, there was, like, obviously the Stormbank style yeah. everyone knows. But you have you seem to have, like, got your, your own little... Even though you just you make loads of wild, crazy beats, yeah. you seem to, like, have, have, like, really trademarked that sound. you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, do you find it annoying when you're like when you hear somebody and it's like they're ripping me off there? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean. Well, I noticed it when I bought out the the piggy bank, the silent one. Yeah, I was like I was listening to people's tracks. I was like, that's my lead, that is. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I could hear it straight away. Like a lot of my presets that were in that silent bank, yeah, were very very unique, and you can hear them a mile away. You can. Yeah, that's what I like. I've I, you see it like. It's one of them, it's like a catch-22, you could release it and it's like you're, you're helping everybody in a way by like providing them with yeah. some really good, solid sounds. But at the same time, it's like you're giving your trade secrets away yeah. and it's like now it's sort of waters down what you do. But it doesn't at the same time yeah, because yeah. They, they don't make it in the same way. Yeah. <coughs> but yeah, have you got any more any more presets coming out or would you have you have you ever moved into like the the because there seems to be a big era right now of sample packs everyone's yeah. releasing a sample pack we are doing a 24 7 one right so it's actually in the works yeah it? yeah interesting um and do we have a date for that when it's coming out or, or, or roughly <laughs> it doesn't help you're a lazy bastard as well yeah do you know what I mean? yeah but it's, <laughs> it's gonna have everything in there yeah kicks percussion bass samples all like obviously what i've sampled and stuff so you can what's it going to be like a production pack or is it going to be a uk hardcore pack like because obviously you've your sounds are so eclectic it's like are you going to put like hard yeah they'll, yeah they'll be gamma like kicks yeah like you, you you cover such a range that in a way like it'd be wrong if you didn't if you didn't like yeah we'll, we'll put some like generated kicks in there for like raw and yeah. dutch hardcore and yeah. tempo and stuff like because I personally love sitting here for hours and hours making up tempo kicks and stuff like that. Yeah, and I could do that forever if I if I could. But you you got me into that style. Oh, you know that. Love it. You got me into like raw style, um, sort of. Well, mainly like the harder styles, the Dutch stuff and the Gabba. Yeah, I remember you give me a CD years ago. Um, a few two thousand and sixteen, maybe, mm. and. It was, um, oh, what's the Australian female DJ called? Oh, Scatley. Scatley. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not sure if this is going to be for me. And now it's like, uh, I'm, it, it, I know it's not every, to everyone's taste, but if you like it, fuck me, the production yeah. quality is just... She's like, amazing to watch because, uh, like, with Nat, she's got that proper goth, proper dark persona aesthetic yeah. Yeah, yeah and like when you meet her she's like the most sweetest cute girl ever right and uh well i sat in the studio with jared and that was like oh can i 
have a quick test. And I was like, yeah, crack on, like. And I sat there and I was just like, well, I wasn't expecting that, like. Well, just because of how hard. Yeah, well, she, like... she just like turns into like a demon. <laughs> and yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, that's and you put me on to like that. So then that's me that led me down like the the rabbit hole for looking for raw style and and <coughs> what was it? What is it? What is it? What is it? it Freestyle. There's like there's all sorts of different. Yeah, but it's all it's all it's all in within the hard style sort of thing. I'm just a question. Have you? Because obviously there's it's massive in Europe. Have you broke Europe? Like have you done what like? Because like Germany seems to be big. Uh, like places like that. Like, yeah, not yet. No, but we are. We will be pushing it in the next year or so. Because your sound wouldn't go like would would just slot right in in like a hard style Tomorrowland sort of yeah thing. We, me and Al are making a lot of raw style under the Freak Delete name. Yeah. And uh, can we talk about that that rather funny alias? Is that all right? Oh, sausage rollers. The sausage rollers. Yeah, I don't know whether it was public or not. So yeah, uh, me and Al made a couple of drum and bass tunes recently, which yeah. have been took up by a big label. And uh, the sausage rollers. Yeah, the sausage rollers. Before we say we thought it'd be hilarious, and uh, yeah, me and Al have started all these new aliases and stuff, and. We just sort of we've got bored of them all now, so it's going to be me and Al. Oh, breaking Europe—that's what it was. Like, yeah, yeah. Are you gonna? Give, are you gonna like sort of? Because I imagine the footstep in the door for Europe, where you'd have to be on the European sort of GABA labels, like yeah. move away from the UK sort of thing. Yeah, we like I said, me and Al at the moment are making a lot of stuff with the Freak Delete kind of thing, which is a lot of like, uh, like bouncy raw style. Yeah, we're making at the moment. It's like. Is it hard to to break into a scene like because obviously you built your name off the back of hardcore? Yeah, uh, yeah, it is because there's a lot of hard style producers out there who are amazing. Yeah, and uh, worldwide as well. Like yeah. it's like literally, it's a huge, huge market. Hard stylists. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> fucking stop it now! Chuck my phone on the floor. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we've we've going on down the raw style flex. Trying yeah. to make the bouncy raw style and stuff, but then we are making obnoxious like two hundred BPM noise as well. Right, so that'll bring me on to the next section of the podcast then, um, because <clears throat> got a, some questions um, from the general public. Just remember, if you've got some questions that you would like to ask for the pod, just drop me a message on Instagram or the Facebook page. It's time to refresh. Um, this one's from Mark, and it is a question for the podcast um, producer. Do you produce with MCs or not in mind? Uh, a lot of our upfront stuff, we do make sure it's MC friendly. Right. Because there's nothing worse than an MC standing there looking at you, and you're just banging vocal anthem after vocal anthem. So we do always tend to put a good 16 bar for him to do their thing over right and to make sure we keep and keep them in mind i know with a lot of uh stuff i listen to amazing production and stuff like that but when you think of it being played at a club and you've got an mc there it's really un, un mc friendly yeah so we always do make sure there's a good on the drop and make sure it's nice and clean so you can hear them but yeah we do tend to keep them in mind a little bit now and then um, I don't. <laughs> In a word, no. I just make music because 
I believe that, yeah, like, MCs are important in it and stuff like that, but, like, the music came first and yeah. people started MCing over it. Do you think that, for, like, even in the Acid House days, it was MCs, they weren't producing music for people to MC over, yeah. they were producing it people dance to, and the MC just compliments it. Yeah. So, that, that's my position, anyway. More, more back then, they were more of a host than an MC. They were there yeah. just to make some noise and stuff, but then they... Obviously, MCs become a big, big part, especially in hardcore. It's, yeah, it's very MC orientated because they control that crowd. Yeah, you can play any any track, and I'll yeah. dance to it. Yeah, but that MC does tell like, them it, what it to adds, do. It like it's eighty percent, but it gives you that extra twenty. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when you see the energy of someone like say, I don't know, a Storm, uh, Wizkid. Yeah, like, they've got that thing where they've got the crowd in the palm of the hands. Yeah, even like like I've, I was talking to Finchie about. Um, hardcore um obviously he sort of yeah. got in and does a bit of hardcore and like even finchy now like i think he's established his name enough in hardcore where he goes on and, he, and you can see that as soon as an mc comes on as in any any of the sort of big names like yeah. they've got them in the palm of the hand straight yeah yeah it, it, it's it's there's a fine art to it yeah um something i couldn't do anyways <laughs> and i think the stage would hold you to be fair uh. yeah that you'd fall through it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think so? Yeah. I don't. If I was jumping around like Storm, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, and this is from the same person, sort of connected onto the question. Um, Favourite Bonkers volume and CD of that volume? And that's from Mark Cocky. Oh, it would probably be the Scott Brown and Neophyte one. I think it was... 12 12 i think it was yeah when they did the duo one yeah scott brown near fight one best one by far one, yeah because yeah, that's when it scott brown was more bringing that dutch style big into it mm. and obviously having near fight on it was phew, mind-blowing but yeah scott brown near fight one about all time i think favorite. it's 12 I'm, I'm, I'm not 100 sure it's the yellow case one isn't it if i don't remember rightly i don't know but yeah we don't hear everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But Scott Brown near fight CD is probably still my favourite one. My favourite bonkers is there's so there's so much for so many different reasons. Like because it captured different eras of yeah, hardcore, yeah. didn't it? Um, like the, for the happy hardcore stuff back then, bonkers three. Yeah, the Hixie mix. Everyone loves that. I yeah. love that. Uh, it's got loads of classic tunes. You've remixed loads of tunes off there, haven't you? Yeah. Like, um, Together forever. Yeah. Um, so you don't even Toy Town as well, haven't you? Yeah. Well, it's actually called Top Town. Yeah. Yeah, we did that. We did that just as a joke, and yeah. we sent it to Sharky, and he loved it because obviously it's quite gabber orientated. Yeah. And yeah, he loved it. He did so. That was <laughs> all right. But it's one of those tunes that you either it's, well, it's a Marmite tune, isn't it? Toy Town. Absolutely. You either love it or hate it. I love it, but it is what it is. Um, I don't know, like. <clears throat> So free for the happy hardcore stuff, but then I loved, I remember it was like, I don't even know the numbers off the top of my head, but the one with Scott Brown and then on the other disc was um, Breeze and Styles, I liked, I liked that one, yeah. Yeah, they were good ones. I even liked the ones that um, Frackers and Darwin brought back, I think they're really good, yeah. quality. You, you've featured on one of them, haven't you? That was yeah, a, the Hardcraven ones. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I think the, the white and pink CD... Yeah, I think I was like on the Al Storm CD of it. I think like ninety percent of the tracks are mine. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, is that is that a good um, feeling knowing that you've that like 
because the branding of what archive mm. and stuff like that to, to, to feature 90% of your stuff on yeah. one disc must be it must be a really like um fulfilling feeling yeah it was yeah. nice to go out to la as well and play at Hardcraven as well that was yeah that was, was pre-pandemic wasn't it that yeah was that 2019 if i'm not mistaken i think so yeah how oh, was that how oh, was that gig because uh, if i'm not mistaken let me think of who was was it you and al and um, was it fracas and darwin uh nobody yeah uh lunacy yeah uh, what was that party like? Because like, Hardcore Evan, I can't imagine it's a big brand Pretty over much there. sold out, it was. Was it? Yeah, it was brand wow. in there. That's interesting. Yeah. Expensive in there, but... Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Good laugh. Where was this at, sorry? In LA. LA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it probably is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pre, was... yeah. Pre all of the fucking big stars like Joe Rogan and that fucking half out the town as yeah, well. It's... So it's... Yeah. It was good. Class. It was good fun, but yeah. Class. Um... And the next question is, sorry for being so unorganised here, but uh, I wanted to get that question in because he's, he's messaged me uh, two weeks ago saying, uh, I've not asked it yet, and I was like, okay, whatever, I'll ask it. <coughs> um, let me see. This this question's been on the pod before, but I feel like it's it's um, very fitting. Um, is, it a, is it a track out there that you haven't remixed that you want to remix? Um... I can't remember who asked it before, but this is from Stephen. Um, so it's afternoon, Brad. I've got a question. Is there any tracks out there that you'd love to remix and just haven't for whatever reason? I've given my my opinion on, on a previous podcast, but... Um, In hardcore, probably not, no. Uh, the tune growing up was Hixie wanting to get high, which is like Raver Baby yes. 2 or something like that, I think right. it was. And that tune, throughout the years, I've loved, absolutely loved it. And uh, we got the chance to remix it for the Park Raven album. Yeah. And that's probably one of my tunes that I've gone, yeah, I've done it. I don't care, yeah. no. They've, the the level of It is probably yeah. it's one of my favourite tunes ever made. It is. And uh, I spoke to Alab, I was like, I want to do a remix of it. He's like, oh, I've got the bits, bro. I was like... Okay, let's do it then. <laughs> then obviously, what was what was it like? Because obviously, you've you've achieved that that one tune you want to remix. But what was it like remixing it? I know this is sort of like more of a psychological thing, but like, did you feel like you didn't want to ruin it in a way, or did you have an idea of where you wanted to go with it? Or no, literally, I wanted to keep it exactly the same as the original. Yeah, but obviously, just give it that new flex on it. Yeah, and uh, I was like, oh, we'll do this, we'll do that. But then I was like, yeah, now nah, we'll just keep it. It's a hard line to, to do, isn't it? Because when you, yeah. cause you're, you're wanting to remix this tune because it means something in your heart. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, because you can remix, you can grab, someone could say, oh, can you do a remix of this? And you were like, you'll love it for what it is. But yeah. y you've got that nostalgia to it and stuff like that. Like, it's hard to, to you don't want to differ away from the original that it doesn't feel special to you anymore, yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah. We just kept it original, like exactly the same as original, same melody, just made it sound new and fresh. And yeah, it was an emotional tune to make. It was, but it was the same one I did forever together. And uh, great tune. I loved you. Played that on the Kutsky mix, didn't you? Yeah, yeah that's a fantastic tune. And uh, I put that big hard style sounding lead in there, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna upset so many happy hardcore people here with this. <laughs> and uh, the response to it was amazing. Like, yeah, they loved it, and yeah, I was happy to do that. And I got the big thumbs up from Banana Man for it. Class. And uh, 
yeah, he gave me the rights to release it and stuff. So that went, that went on, I think it was on Pigstyle 1, I think it, it was. It was on the first one, I believe. Yeah, yeah. it was on the first Pigstyle album. Mm. Right, so sort of what I do with everybody is as we start to close it up, this is probably going to go into a new whole new podcast itself. But let's talk about food. Foodies. Oh, That's foodies. A, I love yeah. foodies. Right. So we all know that you you love a food. Uh, we all know that you you love a Jenkos. You you love you love anything food wise. Yes. But like a little a little fact about Rob. <laughs> when I first met Rob, he video called me and he was eating a kebab in the bath. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic. I eat cottage pie in the bath. Everyone knows that. <laughs> but I did find out like the polystyrene trays do actually float in the bath. <laughs> but obviously, I take up a lot of the bath anyway, but they float really, really good in there. <laughs> so what I ask everyone to close off the podcast is, you're going to go on the, on the electric chair because you, you're just an absolute fucking Jaeger animal and you've, you've, you've done something crazy whilst on the Jaeger train. And you get in the electric chair. You're in. You're in America playing a gig. Yeah. And that, that's still over there, right? And you've got one more meal. What What are we having? You can have a starter, main dessert. You can just have a main, or you can do whatever you want. I Go think on. it'd just be Jenkos. The Jenkos. I thought it'd probably be Jenkos. You know. Enough. Yeah. So I'll... for those who don't know what Jenkos is, do you want to enlighten them? Jenkos is a Mongolian restaurant round here that do like the best. Sunday, yeah, they do meats. barbecue in the week, like uh, on the grill and stuff, which mm. I can't eat. But they do amazing Sunday dinners, and it's not like your normal conventional little, uh, yeah. yeah, where you have to you get one slice of meat. This is all you can eat meat, so you can have everything, and it's it's so good. But and for a fat one like you, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like probably Jenkos. Jenkos. So what's that? that so you could have that as a main. Do they do starters or not like that? No, I just yeah. want Jenkos. I'll probably have the garlic mushrooms for starters. Yeah, yeah, and then Jenkos, and they do this well good homemade cheesecake there as well. So oh, cheesecake. I'll probably just have Jenkos. What are you gonna have to wash it down? Bottle of Jaeger. Probably. Yeah. You get in the electric chair anyway. Who cares? Yeah, I'd probably have bottle of Jaeger and a bottle of Agua, <laughs> and I'll be happy. Class, class. Uh, I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast, mate. We've had a couple of interruptions, but guess what? It was still a fucking amazing podcast. Yes. Um, I've loved having you on. I've been, you're, you're one of the first people when I said that when I was going to do a podcast, because you're a good pal, I thought, be, I'd love to have you on and it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Yes. Um, is, there, is there anything you want to plug beforehand, before we leave? Yeah, Pigstyle 3, out now. And uh, I don't know when this is being broadcasted, but... At Friday. Okay, so yeah, Pigstyle 3 will be out. Uh Dark Shadows 8. I think it's Dark Shadows 8, yeah. Doesn't even have a clue. Doesn't have yeah, a clue. Dark Shadows 8 will be out and uh, pre-orders will probably be up for the 80s album. The 80s album? Mm. I know nothing about this, yeah, but when we get off here, he's going to show me it. <laughs> yeah, the 80s album. It's classic 80s yeah. tracks remixed. Fantastic. So it's basically, it's like new happy hardcore sort of Fantastic. Well, uh, well, Happy Hardcore is basically 80s rips, wasn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, it's all your classic 80s tunes, but up to date. It's fun. There's some fun stuff on there. You've IYF'd them right up. Yeah, there's loads of people on there. Class. All Class. the 24-7 crew are on it. So, where can people find you? Uh, the albums will be on the 24-7 Hardcore website, and they are on the 24-7, I think it's 24-7 Hard Store Bandcamp. Excellent. Bandcamp's absolute class for independent artists. Yeah. If you've got uh, your favourite artist out there, go and search them up on Bandcamp. 
if they are an independent artist, they probably will be on Bandcamp, and it's the best way to support them for buying tracks. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I do need to update my Bandcamp, to be fair, but yeah. honestly, get on it. Um, and also, you're on SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. Rob IYF, 24-7 Hardcore. It's all that business, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> What's happening? Yeah, uh, just want to say thank you for coming on. If you've enjoyed this, then share it with your pals, share it with your mates. Uh, we get a big reach on it. Um, we are now we've we've grew so much over the last few months that it's it's, well, it's thousands of you listening now. So I just want to say thank you um, and leave a comment in this. Call him a fat cunt. I'd appreciate it. Yeah. So if we if we can get ten comments, call him a fat cunt, right? I might come back again at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we get if we get t- ten comments in the, the description below, in the in the comments below on YouTube, right? I'll give away a free track. Oh, because you're a fat cunt. Yes. Over and out. Thank you. Oi.